Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Remember we uh, spoke last Sunday with Jim Garner, the rancher from Alberta who lost his house and lost about, I think, 90% of his infrastructure at his ranch to the uh, Waterton Lakes National Park wildfire. Mr. Garner told us that if he'd relied on Parks Canada, he and his wife would be dead. They received a call from Parks Canada, if I've got this correctly, we'll talk to him in a little bit, that it was way too late. He looked up and he saw a wall of flame about 100 yards away from their house, and he just said to his wife, we're out of there, and that saved their lives. Well, he'd been waiting for some reports or some contact from federal authorities, and uh, we'll be talking to Jim Garner later this hour about what happened. Also, uh, tomorrow it's uh, the anniversary of Robert Hall and John Ridsdale, the two Canadians being kidnapped by the Islamist ISIS-affiliated terror group Abu Sayyaf. In the Philippines, Mr. Hall's family remains resolute in their demand for a public inquiry, and they recently submitted a national online petition in this regard. There was a reply from the government. You'll hear the rest of that story when Benice Thomas, Robert Hall's sister, and Gordon Bibby Robert Hall's cousin, join us. And Noah Irvin is 17 years of age. His parents both committed suicide. And Noah contacted all 338 members of Parliament about Canada's suicide rate and about mental health issues. Did it on his own. Contacted all 338 members of Parliament. How many do you think took the time to respond? to a 17-year-old who's lost both his parents. We're going to talk to Noah in a few minutes' time. And the Fraser Institute's report on Canada's universal health care system and how it compares to other universal health care systems globally is out. And joining us on the program on the Chorus Radio Network is the author of the report. Um, and uh, Bacchus Barua is the Associate Director of Health Policy Studies at the Fraser Institute. Um, is it Dr. Barua? No, it's just Mr. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I also want to make sure that I've got this correctly. So, uh, Mr. Barua, when we look at our health care system in this country, we hear individual stories that are of great concern. Wait times, uh, procedures not done appropriately, um, just a lot of issues that shouldn't be part of a universal health system because essentially it's all we have. This is it. We don't have many options as individual Canadians to choose the kind of health care that we want and where we're going to get it. It's just not there for us. So when you look at the universal health care delivery system in this country and you compare it with the other countries in the world, and I think they're what you found 29, is it 29 countries? 
We did. We, we compared Canada to 28 other countries okay. with universal health care. So when you look at that, when you look at how much money Canada uh, invests in universal health care, how do we come out? Where, where are we in the, in the rankings? You know, it's, it's important as, as patients, as, as caregivers, as, as taxpayers, as Canadians to, you know, continuously gauge our health care system because, as you said, it's, it's the only option that we have. Um, and unfortunately, when we do do that comparison, when we look at 29 countries with universal health care, and there are, you know, at least 28 other high-income countries out there to compare ourselves with, we find that we routinely rank amongst the top spenders. But when we look at performance, when we look at the availability, the use of resources, the access to your resources, and, and the quality, our performance is at best mediocre, and on a lot of indicators, we are doing remarkably poorly. So massive imbalance between what we're spending and what we're actually getting back in return. So in spending, if you look at it as a percentage of GDP, we are right there in the top three. We're only behind Switzerland and France, right? Yeah. Um, so we look to, at two indicators of spending um, because, you know, people have different ideas about, about what they'd like to look at. But the thing is, when we're looking at it as a percentage of GDP, um, we're in the top three. Switzerland and France are ahead of us. And, you know, it's, when it's a percentage of GDP, a lot of the countries are really concentrated at the top. You know, it's generally somewhere between 10 to 12 percent of their GDP. Uh, when we look at it, even in terms of per capita spending, we're, um, I, I believe we're ranked eighth. Uh, sorry, ranked 11th uh, in terms of per capita spending. But again, this is ranked 11th out of 29 countries with universal health care. Um, so clearly... Regardless of the indicator that we're looking at, we're above the OECD average. The question then becomes, if it's not a spending problem, um, you know, why is it that that money is not translating in terms of doctors, beds, um, wait times, um, clinical performance? Can we just come up with a hypothetical patient named Joe, a hypothetical Canadian patient named Joe, who today on the 24th of September 2017 isn't feeling well? And Joe is going to go to the doctor tomorrow, and Joe is going to find from the doctor that it's time to pursue why he's not feeling well. And over a period of time, Joe is going to be diagnosed with a very serious, potentially life-threatening illness. How, how poorly is Joe going to fare within the – I hope this is a fair question – how poorly is Joe going to fare within the Canadian universal system vis-a-vis -vis one of the more effective systems that you investigated? Well, you know, I think it depends on the procedure. Um, Canada does quite well when it comes to crises, when it comes to something that is immediate and life-threatening, uh, but so do a lot of other countries. But really where it starts to feel really, really badly is when it comes to something that will not immediately kill you, um, whereas other countries are able to deliver treatment to those patients as well in a timely manner. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll give you two statistics that are very interesting, um, you know, in this regard. Uh, one of them is from another study, study that we do, which is called Waiting a Turn, which surveys physicians across Canada every year. Um, and, you know, some people have issues with, with the methodology and et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is we've been doing this for over 20 years. And what we found is that the last year that we did it was actually the longest wait time that we've ever recorded um, in the history of our survey. Um, so regardless of whether uh, people think, you know, whether it's, you know, the 20 weeks that we recorded or whether it's actually 15 weeks or 25 weeks, um, the fact is, during the history of doing this survey, uh, the wait time has more than doubled. Uh, and importantly, physicians are also telling us that their patients are waiting longer than clinically reasonable. More than doubled? Wait time is yeah, more, more than doubled, okay. They, they have more than doubled. Wow. In 1993, it was 9.3 weeks, uh, and this year it was 20 weeks. 
Um, the, the other really interesting statistic that we have is that as time has gone by, we've started to get some good um, idea about how Canada compares with other countries with universal health care uh, on things like wait times. And what we find is, you know, we have to restrict ourselves to about 10 countries because we, we don't actually have comprehensive data for more than that. But we're routinely at the bottom of the pack uh, in terms of those 10 countries. So uh, the Commonwealth Fund recently uh, conducted a study which was looking at uh, the wait time uh, to get a consultation with a specialist. Uh, I believe um, more than 30% of uh, Canadian, res- Canadian respondents said that they had to wait uh, longer than two months. Now, in Germany, that number was only 3%. Um, in, in France and, and in, in Switzerland, those numbers were, again, actually quite low. Um, and the thing is, you find exactly the same thing when it comes to uh, the wait time for uh, elective surgery. In Canada, the percentage of patients who had to wait more than four months for elective surgery um, was 18%. Compare that to Germany, no patient actually reported having to wait that long. Compare that to France, 2% of patients have uh, reported having to wait that long. In the Netherlands, only 4%. So the thing is, we're, we're getting we're getting a lot of confirmation that what we have in this country is not a is not a result of the fact that we have a universal healthcare system. These are all universal healthcare systems. Uh, neither is it a consequence of not paying enough. These you know we're ranking amongst the top spenders as well. But for some reason, the choices that we made and how we've structured our universal healthcare system has led to a situation that we have some of the lowest ratio of doctors per capita. We have the lowest uh, availability of beds amongst all these countries, and we routinely rank at the bottom of the pack when it comes to access uh, to resources. So it's it's a question of what's actually going on. Why isn't the money translating? So flexibility as far as getting the system to work more uh, appropriately and more quickly is very limited given what you just told us. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're not seeing it in Canada. I mean, I, one of the questions that I, I routinely get asked is, um, you know, why why haven't things changed? Why why are we still waiting so long? A lot of people now know that we have a high-cost system, that we don't have enough resources, that patients are waiting. And unfortunately, the, the answer is because nobody's actually made any significant policy changes over the last 20, 30, 40 years. Um, we, we tend to keep doing the same thing over and over again, trying to throw money at the problem and expecting it to go away. And what we found is that while it works as a Band-Aid solution for a couple of years, we end up with the same problem because the, the structural issues, the incentives that, that, that we face, the options that we have in our country um, are exactly the same as they were before. And importantly, it's very, very different from what these other countries with the universal health care are doing. Mr. Barua, thank you very much for the time. It's uh, FraserInstitute.org and fascinating and critically uh, important because if Joe gets ill today, our system should be able to take care of him better than it, than it apparently is going to. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, Bacchus Barua on the Roy Green Show on the Corus Radio Network from the Fraser Institute. When we come back, he's 17 years of age. His parents committed suicide. Mental health issues were involved. He contacted all 338 members of parliament on his own. How many replied? Stick around.